Well, let's take the Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, there's a Bible in, in front of you. Go ahead and look in the index and find 1 Corinthians 4 or just listen. And this is more of a vision casting. I, God has done some wild things in my life this week. And I, I almost feel weird uh, because I, I just kind of walk with God the best I know how. And whatever he does, I dump it on you Sunday. How's that? <laughs> um, and I want to share with you what he's doing in my life as I have been praying so much for this church and for this city. And literally, um, if you see me, uh, just kind of take off from the building, uh, just walking through this neighborhood and, and, and walking down the streets and just praying. And man, just really asking him to do something really awesome with us as a church. And so this is kind of the remnant. I don't cry about anything <laughs> until I deal with God. I mean, he just sweeps me away. It's absolutely amazing. So this is more of a vision casting, if you will, for our church. Again, I've been here six months and uh, we are going into a new vision and a new purpose for the church. And this is a huge part of it. So if you're visiting with us, you get a great taste, a great glimpse of what we want to do here and what we think God is doing in this church. So here's where I want to start. I want you to think of life. What a vast thought. I want you to think of your life. And I want you to think of your pursuit to feel fulfilled. You with me? Every single one of us from, from young to old we are on a pursuit to feel fulfilled. We want to feel something in our hearts, and our souls. Uh, we want to feel full of life. We want to feel complete. We want to know we're living a life that matters. I, I want to know that when I come to the end of my life, I live the life that matters. So what is your pursuit? What are you looking to to find that fulfillment? How many of you guys went to the Bluegrass Festival? Changing gears slightly. Nobody? You, come on, you, if you're San Franciscan, you had to go, or maybe you go once in your lifetime and you go, that was it. Well, this was a, it was a fantastic time, um, but uh, this was kind of my thought, and uh, I walked through the hundreds of thousands of people in Golden Gate Park as uh, all these bands were playing, you know, everybody from uh, Cindy Lauper to Chris Christopherson. It was just a wild, you know, only in San Francisco can you pull this off. And uh, so we're walking around, and, and you know, everybody's happy, and, and there's multiple reasons why everyone was happy. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? And so we're just, we're kind of dodging, you know, smoke clouds and doing our thing and trying to, you know, enjoy the time. And, but it was amazing to see how many, how many smiling faces, and just there's, you know, everyone's trying to do the freedom thing. And, and uh, you know, I'm happy for a happy humanity. But my thoughts kept running, like, look at everybody who's looking for fulfillment, a chunk of happiness, a piece of happiness, and, and most of that's not wrong. I mean, come on, this is the journey of life. But guys, I got this thought going on in my head as I was looking at everybody and even looking at my own life. What happens Monday, you know? What happens Monday? What happens Sunday night? What happens when the, the act is over, when the, the concert is over, when the friendships break and everybody goes their own way? What happens in the heart when it's just you? Where do we find fulfillment when it's just us with us, wrestling with us? I kept thinking when the smoke clears, literally, and these people go home. Where is fulfillment found? And let's just be honest here. Let's be really transparent and honest. I think if we're honest, we're going to confess that personal fulfillment, kind of the personal journey 
kind of, you know, and I don't want to be rude here, but the me thing, the meism. how many of you guys are down with Johnism? I'm, I do the John thing. It's the theology of John, like everything rotates around me. How, how many of you guys are with me? That, that just doesn't satisfy when you live for you. I mean, it's really hard. And so many of us are here, even in this great city, on a personal fulfillment. Now, personal attention is not wrong. You know, some, some of you need to pay more attention to yourselves and take care of yourselves. But for most of us, we pay way too much attention to ourselves trying to find in this radical pursuit of life how to feel fulfilled. Kind of that individualist pursuits. I did it many times this week. And maybe if you're a Christian, and, and maybe if you're not a Christian, you're probably thinking, okay, you're going to flip the Christian switch any minute. But wait a minute. Maybe if you're a Christian, you've even tried to find fulfillment in Christianity. But what's weird about that is, even Christianity can be about self, can it? You know, we want God to do for us. And a lot of that's not wrong, but it can become very personal-oriented. And man, the more I'm alive, the longer I'm alive, the longer I'm a Christian, I realize, guys, and please listen to this for the sake of our awesome future as a church, something in us is calling out to us. Something in us is calling us out of this very small and insignificant story of self and into a community and a mission from God. And I am thrilled about this. I realize that God has something so much bigger for me. He is calling me out of my individualistic life and into a community of, you know, just a radical motley crew of people called you. He's calling me into a community so I can do life with you, become someone new, and do something powerful with my life in this amazing city. And so I'm dwarfing myself by being individually minded in certain ways. When I have this awesome mission, I know it's in my heart. I know like C.S. Lewis that if I am pursuing fulfillment in myself and I'm finding that it doesn't satisfy, it can only tell me I'm made for something else. And so you got a little insert. I'm going to shoot these up. You can, uh, you can write these in your bulletin. I talk fast, so these are all recorded if I blow by you. But here's what we do know. We know we are not saved as Christian people just to be individuals who are going to heaven when we die. Guys, that is a really, really short-sighted version of Christianity. And if you believe in the rapture in particular, like, you know, this, this dualistic mindset that this physical thing is evil and uh, I'll fly away old glory. How many of you guys remember that one? We need to be very careful about that type of theology or that belief system. The Bible speaks something different. We know we're not saved just to be individuals who are going to heaven when we die, but to be a part of a new community. Write that down. A new community. When you get saved, you're not saved to walk alone in this life. You are literally engrafted into a new family called a church. Those who put the love of Jesus on display. We learn as a community. We grow as a community. We go through life as a community. We're transformed as a community. And then us as a church community, we go back out into our community and we try to make a difference. That's the Christian life. And I've been saying it over and over. We're going to see it on our website. We're going to see it engrafted into everything we do as a church, as a vision statement. This is what we're going to call gospel renewal. Our mission is to renew a broken city through the gospel and as we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Think about that. 
So together, guys, and, and, and if we shift this as a church, if we go hard after this, if we believe this, if we're like, yeah, okay, it's hard to kind of open myself up to, up to other people, and I, I don't really even know Bethel yet, or I've been at Bethel a long time, I know it can be a little challenging taking that step into this type of community-oriented thinking as a Christian. But guys, if we make these adjustments, if we focus on this, here's what we'll get. Together, guys, these shifts have the power to transform our churches, and here's what we need, from consumer centers, right? Just taking in to countercultures for the common good and renewal of our world. We want to be a countercultural community for the good of our city. We want to show this city a new way of being human. As we grow in Jesus Christ and we learn to love, and we're going to go through the Beatitudes in a while and figure out what it is to be a peacemaker, to be a lover, to be a forgiver. And what if we could create an alternate humanity right here as a Christian church, as a community, and take it into that city and show them, look, there's a new way of being human, of being truly human. You can have it in Jesus, and we're going to put it on display by helping our city. And when you weave your life into this design of God, into this community, into this flow, into this mission of being a church that's being transformed and then going into a city to transform a city, that is when God releases fulfillment in you. How many of you believe that? Now, some would say, I believe that. You need to believe that. You need to get excited about that. So 1 Corinthians is our blueprint. Are you guys with me? Do you want me to repeat everything I said? Did you get that? Okay. This stuff is in me, and I'm just like, woof. So I hope it makes sense. So you say, well, how do we build that type of community? I've been in church a long time, or I've never been in church, and, and I have mostly bad thoughts about church, or I've been hurt in church. How do we build that type of community? How does, how does Bethel go from a historic church? By the way, Bethel has had many great seasons like this. Um, but how do we go from a transitional season into this new season and become a real, powerful, truly God-centered, transformative community right here together and take this into the city and do something powerful out there? How do we become that community? Well, we've been talking in this kind of uh, building block um, verbiage. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians. It's our blueprints. And remember... The Corinthian church, good church, bad church. Come on, talk to me. Kind of bad, yeah. The cool thing is 2 Corinthians, one of the greatest churches in the Bible. That tells us a lot. 1 Corinthians is our blueprint. And you got to remember, as we've been going through this week by week, the Corinthians have lost their mission as a church, hadn't they? I mean, they were just getting together, guys. Listen to this. They were just getting together, and they were doing all kinds of other things other than the mission of God. What do I, what do I mean by that? They were coming together, and they were uh, from the culture. They were power playing on each other, weren't they? They were using their gifts to exalt themselves. There was kind of like this competition. One would speak in tongues, and another would speak in tongues over here a little louder, and, and this person would speak, and then pretty soon you had this crazy thing going on, and Paul's like, guys, sit down, settle down. You've lost the purpose while you're a church. You are a church to be conformed, to transform into the image of Jesus Christ, and then as a community, go out into your city and transform it. Gospel renewal. So as a blueprint, I figure as the pastor here, I can look at 1 Corinthians and I can teach us as I learn 
the building blocks that we need to implement into our church to become this type of community and make a difference in the city. And by the way, it's already happening. There's teams of people going out of the city and we are doing the work of Jesus. It's, it's fantastic. And we are seeing people transformed in their hearts week after week right here. By the way, Confident Living is back on. Little plug. Be there, guys. We are, we are entering a journey together of transformation. So as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, what have we talked about? What do we build the church on to become this type of powerful community? What did we say brick number one was? Shout it out. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot go by the gospel. You cannot, you cannot do anything higher than the gospel. This whole thing is about the work of Jesus on the cross. And so we build a community, guys, that is centered on the work and the love of Jesus on the cross. We never leave that. Everything we, we do in this church is either about celebrating the work of Jesus or moving the work of Jesus and the message of Jesus out into our city. What good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What do we say brick number two is? Transformation. We are here to become new. Every marriage that is struggling, every relationship that is broken, every mind that is filled with lies and cannot get on top side, the church is here to build a community of transformation. And we build a community that learns and practices the ways of Jesus through the Bible, until we begin to take on the habits and the lifestyle of Jesus. Brick number three, what do we say? What? The city. Everybody say the city. city. We are here for the city. We are here. God loves the city. God loves most of the city. All right? God wants gospel renewal in many places in this city. God wants his community, the church, to go into the city and show these people a better way to live. And so as we grow as a spiritual community to live out this renewing work of Jesus, in our community, the communities change. Number four, what did we say last week? Yeah, we're going to ingrain this. We said number four, selfless service. All this is in the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians. We do this for the greater good of people knowing Christ. We work together. We use our talents, our gifts. We give money. We do all of it for the greater good of people knowing Christ and not for our own recognition. Amen? Number five. Here we go. We did it. Number five. New brick. New brick. We're, we're building the temple of God. Do you get it? Brick by brick until the, the presence of God is known here. Brick number five. Commitment. Commitment. Write it down. Should be in your insert. We need commitment. What a lousy thing to say in a transient city. You know what I'm saying? It's, San Francisco is a transient city. People, people are moving in and out of the city constantly. So for me to say one of the building blocks that Bethel has got to be built on, if we're going to be a radically transformative community and change that city, we've got to build commitment into our church. So this is going to be a huge challenge for us. We, we probably have 25 people out of town right now. It's amazing. Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it's just a thing that we need to wrestle with. Let me work this out. Belonging to this type of community is awesomely fulfilling. When God's people come together and God's people are growing together and God's people are overcoming weaknesses and brokenness and hearts are healing and minds are healing it is awesome 
And when God's people are taking that powerful, transformative work back out into the city and dealing with racial reconciliation, all this gentrification going on, all of the racial divide in our city of love, when God's people are understanding how God works and being changed themselves, and we take that out into the mission and we say, yeah, I know what's going on out in the city, but we're different here. We want to love you. When people don't have the money to afford rent and we say, we understand that, but we're different. God is changing us. We want to help you. When the people who work for Google and, and all the other amazing tech places who are, who are maybe on a search that's not fulfilling and we, we come to them and we say, no, look, we found fulfillment in Jesus. Come into our community and help us. That is fulfilling. But, but here's the kicker, guys. It's going to take a lifestyle shift to make it a rhythm in your life. It's going to take a huge lifestyle shift for us to become, to become committed to this community. Do you understand that? Like we are going to have to change the order of our life. I cheat because I'm rather obligated to be here as a pastor. But if I was living a, <laughs> a normal life, I, I guess I should say, if I, if I was living, uh, you know, a different type of life, it would be very challenging for me to ingrain Sunday communities and Wednesday confident livings and all the rest into a regular rhythm of my week. It used to be a cultural norm that people went to church. You were actually shunned if you didn't go to church, even if you weren't a Christian. The average Christian 30 years ago went to church three times to four times every month. The average Christian today makes it once, to, once or twice a month. Does that mean they're bad or does that mean we're worse? It means the culture has gotten more complex. Life has gotten more complex. And that's what's going on in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is there for the wrong reasons. I believe personally that they're moving in and out of the congregation. They're divided in the congregation. They're not focused on what it means to be truly committed. So Paul tries to literally model what it's going to look like for each person in the Corinthian church to be a part of the community. And Paul is going to model for every one of us what it looks like for you and I to shift our lifestyle until the community of the church becomes a, a huge part of our lives and that's when God will begin to move and change us and that's when God will begin to do things with us in the city. We've got to be here. We've got to be available. That's going to be hard. We're going to need to encourage each other. So I'm going to walk you through it very quickly. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 1. You guys still okay out there? I always feel like I do all the talking on Sundays. That was a joke. <laughs> you ready? 1 Corinthians 4. What does it look like, Paul? Paul, just teach us with love. Just teach us what, what it looks like to be devoted to the community so we can be transformed and to be devoted to the community so we can go out into the city and, and do a great work. He says in 4.1, this is how one should regard us. Now just stop right there. Everyone look here. Remember the problem going on in the Corinthian church? They kept exalting leaders, didn't they? I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Okay, leave it alone. We don't exalt leaders here. We exalt Jesus here. So when he says, this is how one should regard us, he goes, this is how leaders lead. As servants, you see it? As servants of Christ. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the lead pastor, but it primarily means I'm the lead servant. I am to model to you guys what it looks like to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. 
And then he goes, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Packed in that one verse is so much on what it means to be devoted to the community of the church. Now look at 4.1. Look at the word servants. Now look up here. You guys remember the, uh, how many of you guys saw, what, is it Ben-Hur? Was that, did that just come out, Ben-Hur? I mean, it came out, but then it came out, right? It's come out anew, fresh, right? How many of you guys saw it? Was it good? Yeah? It was pretty good? Was he in a boat rowing at one point, or was that the old movie? He was. Okay, very good. Do you remember where he was? He was in the lower galley thing, right? We're city folk here. We don't, we don't understand this stuff. But he was in the bottom of the boat, wasn't he? Because he was a slave. He was a servant. And uh, he wasn't on the top. He wasn't the captain. He wasn't the one being seen. He was simply in the bottom with other servants, and he was just driving the ship. 4-1, only place in the Bible where this is used This is what Paul means. This is what the word means, servant. This is how one should regard us as servants, as under rowers. We are only here to faithfully do our part to move the greater mission forward. That's it. I am going to be faithful in showing up and doing my part so power comes. So we make progress. We drive through the waves. We cut through the waves. The sails catch the wind and we drive on. A fresh breath of the Holy Spirit is blowing in our cells called Bethel. If we'll all play this faithful part of serving just to move the church forward to reach this city. He has no agenda, only doing his part to move the mission along. And then he goes in 1 Corinthians 4.1, he doesn't only call himself a servant, an underroar, but he says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. He's a steward. Now check this out, Bethel. What in the world is a steward? Well, a steward is basically a servant who manages everything for his master. He doesn't own a single thing. Now, I don't want to insult anybody because some of you guys have been faithfully uh, serving at this church longer than I've been alive. That is awesome. So I mean no harm when I say this. No harm at all. This is God's church. We are only stewards of his church. We are here to manage it. We are here to faithfully show up and say, God, you saved us and you brought us into this church. You tell us what you want to do with this church and we will show up every week and we will be like under rowers. We will find our spots and we will joyously push it forward and serve here so we can see the power of the Holy Spirit and we can reach this city. That's it. We're just here to manage your work, Jesus. It's not our way. We don't get our way here. You get your way. The Bible leads this church. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.1, you're short-handed over there. You're sh- you know you're short-handed. They're not here. You're going to have to fire it up. 1 Corinthians 4.1, well, what do we manage, guys? What do we show up and faithfully move forward? He says the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. God has placed in our hands as a church the mystery. What is the mystery? Christ, and he saves. He alone saves. And not only that, but he creates a community of believers and his spirit changes us. And then he sends us out into the city to change the city. He says, hey, manage that mission, guys. Be here and manage that. Be a part of that. Be faithful to that. Let me put it another way. Let me sum it up. Every one of us who calls Bethel our home and every one of you who are visiting, man, call this place your home. Weave into this mission. 
We are all called by God to play our role and commit to managing God's work in this church of growing as believers and reaching our city with works of renewal. I'm pumped about that mission to do it with you. I believe that you'll do it with me. Look at uh, 4.2. He says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So, so like God, like, man, I wish you wouldn't place this stuff in my hands. Like he's like, John, I need, I need, to, I need you to be trustworthy down there with my church. I need, you to, I need to trust that you're going to come there and you're going to pray and you're going to weave your life around the community because it's the most important thing. And, and so my spirit can come and, and bust through the place and do things powerfully in your heart and do things in this city. I need to trust you down there. And I'm like, man, if it wasn't for your, your spirit, this would be a total disaster. But I believe as we work together, we'll see this. Uh, John Tyson, who's a a pastor in New York, stealing all kinds of thoughts from his. I just finished an amazing book, and I'm podcasting this. John Tyson, if you ever hear this sermon, uh, I, I stole your stuff. But I read this book uh, that he wrote on the church because they've done a radical thing out in New York where church is not supposed to work. They have 11 churches. They call them parish ministries where each, 11 church, each of the 11 churches is taking care of those communities because they can't tackle the whole city. And so they keep planting all these churches in different parts of the city just to care for that neighborhood, just to reach into that neighborhood. And that vision is kind of taking me over. Yeah, I, I mean, and uh, next BOC meeting, there's the agenda right there. I, I keep walking this neighborhood like Bethel's here to care for this neighborhood. Like this is the mission. That's why everybody, all the, all the churches in the city, they keep going, John, do you want to merge churches? We need, we need a facility. And it's like, not a chance. I love you, though. God has put, put us here specifically to reach this neighborhood, specifically to reach the Mission District in Noe Valley and the surrounding districts. But here's what Tyson says, John Tyson. He says, Jesus' invitation to be saved is not simply a personal invitation to salvation. And we're like, whoa, what are you talking about, John? It's all personal. You have a personal relationship with Jesus? Okay, that's fine. But here's what he says. We are invited into a communal salvation and a shared responsibility as a result. In other words, guys, when you got saved, if you're here and you're a Christian, you were saved into a community called a church. And when you're saved into a community called a church, with it comes a beautiful responsibility that when you weave your life into it, it brings true fulfillment. I know it because I feel it. I walked these streets so many times this week, and I met the lady who, uh, who's petitioning for Planned Parenthood, and I, I got to talk to her and see what's going on in her heart, and, and she thought, you know, it was, it was a weird conversation, and, and I said, hey, I'm a pastor right up the road, and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry, and I said, no, no, talk to me, talk to me. Then I met the homeless guy down here, and my, my wife was able to give him uh, a bunch of food and fruit this morning. And then the older Hispanic lady, uh, who must think I'm out of my mind for walking through her neighborhood and uh, getting to talk to her and get to know her. And then the Google guy down at the coffee shop that I keep seeing. I'm walking through this neighborhood and going, man, this is it. This is fulfilling. At the end of my week, I felt radically fulfilled. Amen. Amen. If you're new to church, amen just means like, yeah, woo, sweets. 
<laughs> we agree. There you go. There you go. Man, guys, I have a huge vision. And it's of a people committing to one another, growing spiritually as a community, and then reaching back into our city, into our district, to be active in renewing the city's brokenness. And so I'm going to give you two heart-searching shifts from John Tyson's book. I want everyone to write these down. They're kind of in your inserts. And here's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to, to pray through this this week and consider being a part of this church and its movement. And if you're involved, man, just, just consider going deeper with us. If you're on the fringe, just with all kinds of reservation, dive into it. Two, two heart-searching shifts in our lifestyles to be a part of a community that's growing in Christ and reaching a city. Number one, uh, he calls it from dabbling, from dabbling, not dabbing. <laughs> I'll dab, but from dabbling to devotion. We were having some fun with that this morning. They're like, are you going to dab? No, I'm a Seahawks fan. Ooh, uh, okay, moving right along. I shouldn't have said that. From dabbling to devotion, this is what, uh, um, this is what John says in his book, John Tyson. And uh, he works this thought out. I want, you to, I want you to hit this right here. God's heart is that we might shift from dabbling in church to devoting ourselves to his kingdom in such a way that the world is jarred out of its idolatry by the intensity of our communal passion. In English, what that meant is we want to be so radically devoted to one another that when people meet us and get to know us in the butcher shop, in the mission, at work, in Daly City, in Oakland, wherever you're at, and you keep talking about this community, not I go to church, but I got this community and we're being changed, man. Like stuff is happening to us that they go, what? Well, what's it all about? Oh, it's a church. Oh, I don't do the church thing. No, we don't do the church thing either. We do the God thing. Like it's working. Things are happening in our heart. That's what John Tyson is saying. But we've got to understand that our salvation is communal. We're saved into a community called a church. Faith was not an addition to life, but a reframing of life itself. When you got saved, it wasn't like, hey, now you got Jesus. You got saved, and a joke was on us in a good way. Jesus began to reframe our entire life, and we, we never even realized it. And he reframes it by putting us into a community. I got to seriously hustle. We got the Lord's Supper. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Just listen to this. Listen to the verbiage, and they devoted themselves. Remember, these guys just got saved. They understood, though, when you get saved, you're saved into a community called a church. And they devoted themselves to what? They, they shifted their lifestyle to what? To the apostles' teaching. They had confident living. And the fellowship shared life. Not, not bad punch in a basement of a church, but shared life. Friendships, deep friendships, to the breaking of bread, celebrating the grace of God, and the prayers, prayer meetings, deep prayers. I hear the stories that Bethel used to do. Do it again. 43 and awe. Oh, we want revival. We want awe. We want to, we want to move our city. If you're going to get to 43, you got to go through 42. And awe came upon every soul. How did awe come upon every soul? Because they devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, Celebrating grace and prayer. 
And many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Because they were from other parts of the country, they were sharing their goods. So nobody had to leave and go to another country. You could stay right there and be a part of the church. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, day by day, they were going to the Jewish temple. And they were breaking bread in their homes. They had, they had small groups. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for the community. We're doing life together. We're growing. We're changing the city. Watch this, 47. Praising God, man. Going through their days and praising God. God is good, man. Why are you so happy? Sitting there waiting for Bart. What's, what's going on with you? Praising God. And having favor with the city. We always do this us versus them thing in the church. No. Having favor with all the people. Doing good to the city. And what happened? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were, who were being saved. There it is. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So from dabbling to devotion, just pray, just pray and open your hearts to going deeper in the community of the church. Number two, from transience to permanence. We can't experience a community like this unless some really, really, really radical people are willing to sacrifice to experience it. Do you know what, man? I'm ready to call some people I know and say, would you consider moving to San Francisco? And they're like, would you consider giving me a high-paying job? I have some radical friends up in Sacramento and Elk Grove, and I'm just, I've been itching to call them and just say, dude, just pray to join the work here. From transience to permanence, if we're going to experience a community like this, we need some radical people who are willing to sacrifice to experience it. We need to take the reality of place seriously. We are here. God has us here in the Bay Area. Everyone wants to go to San Francisco. Two years later, everyone wants out of San Francisco, right? But ask yourself this question, wherever you're at, why does God have us here? Look at this saying here. I read this and it blew me away. Oh, did I lose it? It's in your bulletin. Oh, I'm about to go to our closing song. Let me not do that. It's in your bulletin. Listen to this. In other times... The Great Commission was to go, but maybe the Great Commission in our generation is to stay. This is a massive shift for a nation of transient, rootless individuals. Maybe the call to do a great work in the city is to stay. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, but it's worth the purpose of God going out into the city. Let me quote Keller and then I'll end it. The guru of the urban church. He says this, and I leave you with this challenge. If you are in a city that is broken, listen guys, if you are in a city that is broken where, where people are burned out or spiritually lost, stay as long as you can. And that's speaking to some of you. And by the way, if you're planning on moving because you got a job in Texas or something, we're good. We're cool. I love you. But if we want a radical, fulfilling purpose, consider staying, consider weaving into this. And next week, I'm going to show you how we're actually going to work this out in our city. So I ask you these questions, and then we pray. Would you dare 
to live a life like this, a real radical Christianity, to sacrifice like this, to finally feel fulfilled like this.